This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. I am your host, meteorologist Brad Miller. And if you are listening for the first time, thank you for joining us and listening to our podcast. Weatherworks is a private forecasting company located in Hackettstown, New Jersey, but our services stretch across the entire United States. And as always, joining me here in the Weather Lounge is my well-groomed co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. Hey there, Mike. Brad. (laughs) (laughs) Well-groomed? What am I, a dog? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I always say something really nice, so I figured, yeah, you always got that nice, you always got the nice well-groomed beard and, uh, you know, it's... Well, I figured today I'd... I didn't even shave. I look terrible, but well, we can't see anything in the uh, podcast. <laughs> I thought, I thought right. I'd throw a little change in there that we normally, uh, you know, always talk well, about. <laughs> well, I guess since you mentioned well groomed, I, I guess that sort of kind of goes into our next guest because um, we have a, a landscaping and lawn care yeah. professional with us today. Yeah, we are. They, um, they, they groom the uh, the grasses and the, and the right. you know landscaping and things like that. So maybe subconsciously you were thinking about this grooming the 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 lawn or something yeah. like well, that. Well, I did get to finally see you after after this whole long thing too a couple of weeks ago. So, you know, you look well groomed, so that's kind of what <laughs> Anyway. Okay. Hey, we got a good guest. Yes. Uh, our guest today is uh Zach Strauser, correct? Yeah, Zach Strauser and uh of Strauser's Nature's Helpers and uh you know, uh he's going to be here to talk about the entire green industry from, you know, landscaping projects to Long care um, to you know how he uh, dealt with the the impacts of COVID uh, and his staffing and all that and uh, you know how he works through everything and we're also going to talk talk a little bit about snow and ice removal too because he does that um, so we have a lot of good stuff to talk to Zach about and uh, I do have a little bit of a background here um, before being at uh, you know WeatherWorks I was in the landscaping industry so. Um, I think I can relate a little bit with them. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's nice that we're getting into the spring and summertime months now, and you know, businesses, yeah, they probably do a uh, a good portion of their, uh, I guess, uh, not equity, a lot of their, yeah, in the winter time. But yeah, they, and they and they they stay year round, and and that's great because there's a lot of things that happen, uh, you know, in Northeast uh, in the summertime, of course, in the spring, and you need to mow grass and things like that and like you said it's a it's it's, it's a whole different ball game so like a complete 180 compared to december january february all right brad well let's uh let's not talk too much longer and uh let's uh let's take it to break real quick and we'll be back with zach have you ever needed weather data for a snow removal contract how about a slip and fall incident searching for the information online may sound simple enough however it can be tedious and difficult good news Our data and stats team can simplify the process. We'll find any weather information from daily rainfall and snowfall totals to hourly temperatures and seasonal averages. On the legal side, our forensic department routinely produces certified reports by meteorologists assessing the weather conditions on and around accident dates. So don't waste your valuable time. Give WeatherWorks a call today at 908-850-8600 or email us at data at weatherworksinc.com. Remember, when you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Okay, everyone, welcome back to the Weather Lounge. I'm meteorologist Mike Mahalik, and I'm here with my co-host, Brad Miller, as usual. Brad, how you doing again? Great. You know, we're looking forward to another uh, fine guest here at the Weather Lounge. Yeah, and I think he just got on the line here, and uh, it's Zach, Zach Strauser from Strauser's Nature's Helpers. How you doing, Zach? Great. How you guys doing? <laughs> I'm good. Um, so yeah, I mean, we really wanted to get a, a landscaper lawn care professional, uh, on our podcast to really talk about, you know, the weather impacts to, uh, your services and, you know, whether it's in the summer, the spring, or even in the winter, you know, we really want to talk about these things with you, uh, Zach, and I'm glad that you're able to, uh, be on the show today. Yeah. Awesome. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. It's all, it's, our, it's our honor to have you on there. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. that's yeah. right. <laughs> um, but I think we should start first, Zach, with uh, how about a little bit of background about uh, Strouser's Nature's Helpers? 
we are a, I guess, as we call it in our industry, a lot of times, a full service uh, landscape management, um, snow management, where we're taking care of uh, predominantly commercial grounds and or multi-unit housing like HOA apartment complexes and, and resorts and so forth, but more of a commercial style property um, where we take care of their grounds year round, snow and landscape. Um, started the company in the Poconos, beautiful Poconos of Pennsylvania, and um, have uh, over the last handful of years, we've kind of uh, branched into uh, the beautiful area of Lancaster County and down into Lehigh Valley and uh, Northampton County also. So uh, we're about uh, anywhere from 50 to 60 employees and uh, anywhere from 20 to 25 contractors, depending on uh, what specialty services they offer that we don't. So, and we've been in business uh, 23 years as of this year, I believe. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. You know, and I got to say, I feel like I've seen your trucks around my area because I live down the Lehigh Valley and, uh, and I know there's a particular um, uh, 55 and older community that I feel like you've been in. Yep, near near where I am. There's so a good, very good chance. Uh, actually, in Lehigh Valley, that's probably predominantly uh, when you combine them all up. There's probably a couple thousand units that we take care of in the sense of a handful of communities. Uh, but uh, yep, there's probably a good chance white trucks with brown letters. Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen Strousers all around Stroudsburg, and uh, and I'm up here around the Scioto Broadheadsville area. And um, and also now you said you reached down to uh, Lancaster. I went to college at Millersville, so uh, that's where okay, I got my yeah. meteorology degree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So and uh, the it's uh, I think it's a it's a fitting time for us to actually you know be on your podcast. I think primarily from the winter we just went through. <laughs> uh, that was a pretty historic winter for us in the sense of snow removal. It's like we went from zero to a hundred within like two weeks, basically. It was, uh, I think we're still recovering from it. <laughs> well, you know, you, hey, since we're on the snow topic, we could just skip right to there if we want to talk about uh, after the winter here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like Brad said, I mean, you know, yes, we had some snow in December. I mean, there was a pretty big storm in the middle of December, but man, it really kicked into high gear once we got to the end of January and through February. It seemed like there was snow every other day, you know, plus there was a massive, you know, two to three foot type storm (laughs) um, that hit Eastern Pennsylvania and parts of Northwest New Jersey. Um, So, yeah, I mean, you know, why don't we go through that a little bit? So you're saying you're recovering still a little bit. So what do you mean by, you know, you're still recovering? Um, what what has the impacts been on your business? I, I you know I guess it would probably be on the personnel, um, just from the standpoint of uh, you know a long hard winter um, will definitely um, kind of test the managers, test test the frontline workers. Um, we'll call that the one out of ten years. When you have the one out of ten year events, um, you basically will uh, test everyone. And I think when you kind of go right into the spring into landscape services, um, you know, generally landscapers want a quiet winter and um, snow only guys want a quiet, you know, enjoy the quiet summer so they can actually work on snow. And I think um, one of the challenges of our industry is that there are two different seasons, um, landscape and snow. And kind of keeping in in the winter, we need to be working on key initiatives for landscape. And in the summer, we need to be working on key initiatives for snow. And when you're busy in both of them, it's, it's, it's hard to stay out front of your prep. So I think just kind of going through a hard working winter and then everyone just rushing right into spring, it can kind of turn you into a 13 month type of field <laughs> versus 12 months. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally understand that. I know when I was you know, working in landscaping and we did um, the snow removal, I was always hoping for not much action during the winter. I mean, yeah, I wanted a snowstorm here and there, but if I was out working, you know, uh, you know, 24 hours <laughs> straight, 
<laughs> and, uh, you know, there was a couple of those big time events, you know, I wanted that break, but, you know, you just didn't get it when you had to start preparing for, you know, the spring and, and, and getting your equipment back together. Yeah. And I think it's that preparation. Like I think the, the front line, the doers in the field, I don't know if it necessarily impacts them as much. I think it's the middle management that need to be working on preparation for that upcoming season that when you're in the the fight of the snow events one after another, you don't really get that break to be like, oh, let me make sure my mulch is on order, make sure that the equipment's coming in at the right time. So I think it's, you know, if you're an operator, you're going to work 10 to 20 hours a week on average in snow, and then you go home and you kind of relax part-time in the winter. But, um, but for the managers, they're stuck in the sense of invoicing or whatever they're doing, uh, getting ready for the next snow event, right? So. Um, I would imagine but, you're I was going to say you're I would imagine ahead. your transition from from fall to winter is a lot easier than a transition from winter into spring because you're kind of overlapping two seasons that one wants to end pretty quickly but you want to get right into the other one as it fall it kind of slowly goes into winter if you will even up here I mean I would imagine you're probably still doing a lot of landscaping well into November before the real first snow comes in yeah, and I can see how you would think it's spring is harder than uh, fall, but it's, it, my opinion at least, is it's actually reversed. Huh. It's because here's the thing you have to be ready for snow, but you don't know when it's going to snow. You have to be ready for landscape. You pretty much know when you're, you're going, you pretty much know when the trees are going to bloom. You pretty much know when the first. The first grass cut happens April 20th, whether you like it or not. I mean, it could dump on April 1st. It melts. You're still cutting grass on April 20th. So there's there's a lot more predictability in the spring than there is in the fall because you're basically, you have to be ready basically once October and 1 You hits, could be removing then, snow on Halloween, yeah. Yeah, you're on your tippy toes basically until you get that first event. And... Like I always say, they only remember the first and last event, right? So, um, you know, you, you better be ready. So I think that's the, and we pretty much have every service on top of each other through the months of September to December. And uh, that's, that's the most challenge um, for us. Yeah, I think, I think Brad might've gotten that little bit of that idea because I mean, a lot of times in the spring, we get a lot of calls from our clients, uh, from our storm alert clients saying like, hey, can we, is winter over? Can we take those plows off? Can we switch our trucks around, get the spreaders off the back? You know, so maybe that's where, you know, he's getting that connotation. Because I know we do have a lot of questions like that when it, when the springtime hits or at least late winter. Yeah, it's, um, hey, they're both really I don't even know if we can even say which is harder. I think they both have their their hard points, right? And, um, but uh, for us, we've always called fall spring times two. <laughs> that's, that's that's kind of <laughs> that, been my that joke. Works. Uh, but yeah, so it was it was a wild year. Um, I don't even know our event count um, or inch count to be honest at this point. But I think our inch count superseded averages obviously but i don't think our event count um did supersede by much because of those two whopper events december february so i think uh, we're probably at like 60 say plus inches and then we're probably still under 20 events a year or somewhere right around yeah we probably got 70 percent of our snow just from those two storms uh and then all the other little ones added up yeah, I was going to say, you're pretty much right on target because I think uh, Allentown had somewhere in the mid to upper 50s as far as inches uh, yeah. of snowfall. But probably only, what, 14, 15 events or something, right? Right. And then, and then March had ho- hardly anything, really. Right. Right, which was which was a crazy flip of everything. But, uh, you know, that's what happens when uh, all that cold air gets bottled up in Canada. And, it, you know, once it's there and doesn't want to... By that point, it could stay in Antarctica for the rest of ever, <laughs> and we wouldn't care. Yeah, I think Allentown <laughs> actually had more snow in April than it did in March this year, which was odd. I mean, that's just one of those odd years. It's just crazy. Yeah. It wasn't a lot but, in April, um, but it was more than March, which is, you know, hard to believe. So... So in the in the winter, um, uh, Zach, how do you 
is there a difference in the way you prepare um, for you know storms? Like say, um, if you have a maybe a three to six inch storm versus one of those big, you know, massive events. Yes, the big massive events is is really uh, on our radar now to become the best at it that we can. And I think for a few years, we kind of, our guard was, it's so funny how it happens. I think what was 18 spring was the bomb cyclone, right? Those two big blizzards that hit within like a three week period in March, April. And then all of a sudden you have some easier winners after that. And you kind of take your guard off the big, longer drawn out events. Big meaning 12 inches plus. Um, and I don't even know. I, I would say nor mostly it's not about depth. But when it hits 30 inches, it's about depth, right? It's not. Most of the time I talk about length is one of our biggest challenges as an industry. Um, most of the time because of staffing. And uh, over the last year, obviously, we know that, you know, any service sector has been very difficult to keep stay to full capacity and the saying of well let's hire extra people is is funny when you can barely hire who you need initially um since covid hit so my predictions were covid is going to open up the we're going to have so many people from the restaurant industry and all these industries willing to come over to our industry and that was the furthest thing from the truth so it's been a very hard year for us uh, on recruiting and I mean, just in general, to fulfill the seats that we're, we needed to. But um, it's the length of the storms that I think challenge us the most in preparation. And um, we're starting to really kind of look at how we do that in the sense of shift work. Um, we get a lot of hotels. And because of COVID this year, we were only allowing one person per hotel we used to let people bunk up if it was buddies work together or something, or they felt comfortable bunking up. We would on longer events, we get people in hotel rooms all over Pennsylvania. We sometimes get up to 40, 45 different hotel rooms. Um, th so this past year, our hotel bills were very lofty. I may mm. buy some different hotels. <laughs> no, <I'm joking>. <laughs> <laughs> so I can be the, the, on that side of the business, but, um, you know, I think it's it's planning shifts is probably one of our uh, biggest challenges. And I think it's one of the biggest hurdles to get over in the industry to attract more people to want to work in the industry. If you you talk to people, most people say, hey, I, I, I'll work in it. I don't, I don't know if most people, but a lot of people that say that I'll work in it. I didn't mind it, but it's just those long shifts. Um, and, you know, this was a winner where long shifts went into another long shift. So um, it wasn't just one big long shift for the year. And then everyone had average events. We had probably a handful of really testing in the sense of length of events. Um, so for us to be an attractive industry, um, I think it's really trying to get people into this 12 hour shift world, 14 and 16 being long, not 14 being average and 16 being average. <laughs> Mm -hmm. how, do, mm -hmm. how do we how do we get that to be uh, a long shift so people can get some rest and then come back refreshed so i think how we we've been trying to kind of tiptoe around that and get that better planned but it it's a, it's a pretty lofty um thing we have ahead of us to to figure out and this year showed us that like no other it's interesting that you say about um um, how you put your uh, employees up in hotels and things like that, because we do the same thing uh, actually here at Weatherworks. Oh, pre pre COVID, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. Uh, now we're more uh, working remote in a lot of a lot of times, but um, um, but yeah, we would go up in a hotel room nearby the office, and um, that way, you know, we made sure that our employees can get in um, to do their forecast and give the services to you guys out there in the field. Um, so that's interesting you say that, but I guess then that kind of leads me into, you're talking about long shifts and, and stuff like that. Um, 
the durations of the storm. So if we had to pin you down on a forecast, what do you think is the most important part of the forecast? Is it the amounts? Is it the timing? Um, is it the changeovers? What, how do you feel on that? Uh, start, end, and how big that gap is uh, would probably be um, the first things, you know, because I have managers that are looking at depth and figuring out a little more details, we'll say, of, you know, I think as we've grown, you know, maybe I'm a little less involved in are we pre-salting or are we going to do during salts or, you know, should we be salting at the end if it's going to turn to rain? Um, so, but for me, if I can go as macro as I can, I'm going to go on start end and length of that because I think that's where we start to plan and then communicate that to our team and then communicate that to our customer and start to build, um, hopefully not too much to interpret in between. So it's like expectations and in reality, everyone getting on the same page as quick as possible. Um, I don't know if I'm making sense, but no, <laughs> I think, I think it, I think it makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, Cause I mean, that, that's how you plan your staffing. I mean, you have to have a, at least a rough idea. And of course, you know, sometimes the forecast changes, but at least you have an idea when everyone can sleep and get ready for the storm. And then, you know, maybe have that break in between and come back, but it's, yeah, I would imagine. That yeah. And then, and then it's kind of maybe number two is, you know, how we're using product and then how many turns we'll have on a type of property uh, because we don't do one type of property. We have different turns, how many times we're going to cycle through what type of property. So I think that would kind of be the next thing uh, that we're concerned about making decisions. Uh, do, do different businesses have different sensitivity, I guess, to what is right. removed we and may how have much? A, we, yeah, we may have a, a factory that, or a you know resort that has main roadways or a, a, a private community with steep hills to a hospital to a parking deck to the ER entrance, all different kind of priorities that need to get balanced out. Uh, when I hear about certain people that only manage one type of property, I'm like, wow, that must be like pretty awesome because we probably have five different styles if you think about it. Um, and it's just because I started in a small market in East Strasburg, Strasburg, Pennsylvania, and that market predominantly, if you're going to grow your business, you're going to service four or five or six different types of customers. Um, if you're in a more built up market, you can probably zone into one or two types. Along those lines too, Zach, I mean, you've been, you said 23 years, this is coming up on now, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, yeah. the, the um, I mean, I grew up in New Jersey, but I moved to the Poconos when I was uh, actually going through my last couple of years, last year of high school. And I mean, how much has that changed for, for you? I mean, this is getting a little specific for the Poconos, but how much has that changed, though, just with the growth around Monroe County and really, I guess, even to the Lehigh Valley and South Central PA? I mean, the whole area has kind of been booming here the last 20 years. I mean, yeah, for us, uh, the Poconos is because we don't do as much residential anymore. There's definitely a residential uptick again, um, like there was in the 2000s. But uh, but predominantly for us, the Poconos is growing at a modest pace. But Lehigh Valley and Lancaster, where there's more construction and more growth, it seems uh, that... uh, uh, that that's more of our growing markets, if you wanted to say. Uh, the Poconos is kind of what we hold our own, if you want to say. It. Uh, there's just not too much dirt getting moved around in the Poconos. I was going to say it seems like it, it peaked a little bit, but and I think there's, I, but I think this resort area is going to take another uptick here in the next yeah, few I, years. Yeah, there is. There's definitely yeah. There's been definitely some uptick in resort, and then there's uh, you know I think there's if this economy keeps moving the way it does. That has been, I think we'll see another uptick starting here. But um, I mean, if you go to Lehigh Valley, there's no shortage of dirt getting moved around down there. <laughs> I can totally agree with that. It seems it seems like every other day I go down a road that used to be, a, you know, surrounded by fields and it's a warehouse. 
uh, going up. I don't know what it is. I guess it's just the location of the highways or there's um, a lot of there's a lot of smell of asphalt. Put it that way, because there's a <laughs> lot of asphalt trucks moving around. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's for sure. Um, so uh, I was I was thinking um, a little bit about uh, the residential versus the commercial thing. Now, personally, when I was doing snow removal, you know, I, man, I was not a huge fan of residentials. I mean, I liked doing more of the, you know, shopping centers, the warehouses and things like that. Um, is there a certain way that you gravitate to, or you just kind of treat everything the same or. So we, we do a lot of residential. We just don't do single home residential. So we'll do HOAs. Um, which are their own animal and their own beast. Uh, a lot of contractors are running away, shying away, don't really gravitate towards that. Um, we are continuing to stay in that market. We kind of, my first big property ever was a 75 unit HOA. So it's kind of in our blood and it's not to say it wasn't in a lot of other contractors blood, but we just stayed there. So as, um, we'll call it as the industrial or the shipping facilities become more and more common. You see a lot of people gravitate towards that, but um, I think we're to the point where that's getting very competitive also. So we just kind of stay true to, to where we've serviced, which is, it's funny. We say probably about 80% of our snow room or, or more in any of our customer base is people sleep there. And, they, and people go, well, what do you mean? I say hospitals, resorts, apartments, HOA, they sleep there. You just probably don't want to sleep at the hospital, I guess. It's probably not the best place to be sleeping. But <laughs> other than that, people are sleeping there. So us being cognitive to, to understand that, that, that we're working around people's, uh, you'll call it private space or place that they're trying to relax or enjoy themselves. So. Um, so we're a commercial residential, if you almost think of it that way. Right. So I want to ask the last question on snow before we go to the green industry. Um, but um, so a lot of people do snow removal as a, a year round business and you do both. Um, so what is what is the big uh, preparation? Like what what is the most important preparation you take, um, you know, during the green season transitioning into the winter right so right now we're working on renewals contracts um, we are uh, looking at future purchases um, and or ordering and or I, I mean i'm not as proactive that i'm receiving anything right now in the sense of uh, equipment or materials but um, i will be we will be doing our orders in the next couple of weeks here um, to be able to make sure and that's a whole nother discussion almost we could talk on just uh, procure, procuring materials and inventory is just such a nightmare over the last year. Um, but um, ultimately, I probably should have already done that if I really wanted a new truck by this fall. But um, so it's and then it's by midsummer, it's looking for the renewals to be uh, secured looking for us to kind of look at our existing business that we have. Is that starting to get locked down? Are we starting to look at our routes by September 1st, kind of feeling like our existing business is kind of in its little cocoon and we know how we're going to handle that. Then um, August, September, it's kind of a later leads where new business gets entertained. And, uh, and the reason why I say entertained is because we're not a, open the door and advertise for a bunch of snow removal and, and grow 50% where we are a 10 to 20% growth oriented snow company. That's, that's it. Um, it's a, it's a business that you don't get many chances to mess up. Right. So you, you do a good job and you take on customers that you can handle. If you can't handle it, don't take it on. Right. Um, now do you make any adjustments like say in, uh, September or something, we come out with a forecast for you for the winter that says, Hey, it looks like it's going to be a really busy winter. Does that make a big impact on how you prepare? Um, you know, I, I guess 
during set that would be if someone wanted to switch their style of contract from fixed to pay as you go or uh in a new sales meeting maybe um and you know i generally i do probably 50 percent of the snow sales myself so i'm pretty i can keep the averages in my head i kind of know where we're at on the last 10 years so i could say i know from what I can tell, if you look at averages, we're gonna it's gonna be a more active winter. Um, you know, before this winter, I said we've had two mild winters. It's coming. It's probably gonna be this year. And sure enough, it was, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, normally two active winters follow each other, also. So that average is kind of in place when you look at the 10 year. I mean, I use your guys uh I'll give you a little bit of a plug here. I use your 10 year averages all the time. That's like my go-to on a lot kind of helps me i look at the whole schematics all the time how many inches how many events what type of events and uh so i yes and no i mean i think ultimately it's in a new sales world discussion or if someone's looking to change what style contract they had well i think we said just about enough about winter, uh, right, Brad? Yeah, I was just gonna say. <laughs> I was just gonna say as we wrap up the the winter time part. Now, now, where does your overlap come in with uh, the green industry? Do you have a lot of common uh, clients on your end, or is it a lot of? Uh, yeah, it's about one for one. It's basically, um, I uh, yeah. I mean, we we have some. We have where. Uh, health systems uh, we take care of their hangar and where the the medevac helicopter takes off and we don't mow that right so there's very select so most of it is green and uh green and white are together so switching gears over to the green industry um you know obviously in the winter time uh, our forecasts are, are are very important as far as you know the start and end times of the storm, how much is going to fall, you know, what type of precipitation you're looking at to how you plan. Um, same thing sort of in the, in the summer here um, where we're looking at, you know, how, how much rain we're going to be getting, how that changes your plans. And how, how does that all come into it with the weather aspect? Well, like uh, I think we were chatting small talk before we got started. And what we, you said, I said, I said, it's looking pretty dry out there, huh? And you said, uh, yeah, it's looking like we could get some rain. Hopefully we get some rain Saturday. And what was funny is I was saying, no, I hope it doesn't. And, and it's like, why would the landscaper not want rain? And I think um, just a little dry or just a little below at, or right around average is just good for us. We don't, we don't want too much rain. And right now we could take a little slowdown on the turf and welcome that. Because normally it won't slow down to almost July. And if we can get a little slowdown right now, we'll use it. Because we have flowers starting this week. Uh, mulching is still going on. So there's still a heavy workload to get done. So, um, but uh, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> That's okay. Well, I, I guess a lot of rain, though, it would basically mean you got to mow more. <laughs> is... Yeah, a lot of rain. A lot of rain. We don't, we don't want a lot of rain. Um, I always say rain once every third, every like Friday night, it could rain a little, an inch or two Friday night and then right. we're good. Dries out over the weekend. Right. Now in, in your, in your, uh, business, do you see, um, is the lawn care and the landscaping aspects, are they about equal or do you do generally more lawn care or does it just kind of depend on, Hey, you know, it hasn't rained a lot, so let's build some walls or something like that. No, we uh, 80% of our business is routine property maintenance, whether it's, you know, full gamut, taking care of the, the turf, the beds, the, the trees, the shrubs, right? Uh, and then the rest would be one-time projects. And a lot of those on our, are, are on our existing clients' properties. Um, we do do some one-off installation work also, but most of it's through the routine care of, of that property. If it, if it, uh, if it doesn't rain a lot, uh, this year being with staffing challenges, um, we are welcoming, 
um, and my staff would probably welcome not working 58 hours a week. So they'll they'll take they'll take 48 and be happy. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now, I mean, I know you're saying, oh, Liff, it's a little bit too dry, but I mean, obviously we went to like, you know, a lot of heat and into a drought, you know, that's something you yeah. wouldn't want that's, to be looking for. No, no, we don't, we don't, we don't want any, everything to get like burnt and scorched. And, but, uh, and you know, what's weird. I was on this, the, the way to the office this morning, like just down in Lehigh Valley, it dries up really fast down there. The, the, the clay soils, it's either mushy and mucky or it's dry. There's like no sweet spot almost. And um, it's going to the dry, barren, hard ground already. And it's what, May 20, what's the 21st. So it's at least a month earlier than normal going into that zone. And when you look at this 10 day, what do you see? Not much. Right, yeah. And you're getting like July temperatures on top of it. I know. I was just. Uh, I did notice that recently. It's been getting a bit dry. Now we're recording this on uh, May twenty first. So, um, you know, I, I know there's some talk about it getting a little bit more wet, uh, wetter as we head into uh, June. So, we'll see if that comes to fruition. Um, but um, you know, a lot of guys that I've talked to, we talked to a few that deal with turf management. They're they're a little bit um, concerned too about wind at times you know when it comes to putting down fertilizers things yep. like that do you find that being a, a big issue with you i mean it is um for us um uh, you know drift is an important thing to make sure that um either you're if it's granular you're getting it cleaned up if you do have the drift and liquid is har- harder to control right so um one of our big amounts of liquid is when we're spot spraying around plant material uh, for weeds and beds. So, and believe it or not, I think we're not quite sure, but uh, we just had a picture sent to us with two or three plants that looked like it might've got some drift. So we are, we are perfect, right? So, and it does seem like it's been a very windy spring, doesn't it? I mean, on top of this dry, it's pretty windy every day. There has been a lot of wind events. Um, I, I live on top of a, a hill, basically. Um, so it seems like it's always windy at my house. Um, but there was some pretty good, um, you know, high wind events. Yeah, March and April, yeah, even early May, there, were, there, were some, uh, there was a good amount of wind uh, around the northeast. Wind, you know, the biggest variable for us is weather. The second is humans, right? Right. So we're in the weather and the human business, two very unpredictable. <laughs> well, but you can definitely work off averages, right? But other than that, there's a lot of moving unpredictableness that you need to, to work with. So it's weather and humans. And this year was probably one of the tougher ones because you had a human impact with the COVID situation. Um, which I'm actually surprised that you said you didn't get a lot of people coming from other, you know, restaurant industries or something that was more indoors to outdoors because, uh, I mean, personally, when I was doing landscaping, I, I didn't mind it at all. I, I had a fine, we got, we, we got some, but I, you know, I painted this picture of, oh, you know, the heavens have opened in that (laughs) sense. I knew that it, it was a very dark and grim world, but I said, what can I find as a positive out of this? And I said, well, for my business, we, we aren't shut down and maybe we can get the, the, the uh, resources. And it just never really, we did get some, um, but it just never really. Uh, and, you know, what I think where I think COVID just to touch on where COVID's hitting us now versus rehash anything that's went on over the last year. If I, our industry is being affected uh, very hard this year. I'm not saying we weren't affected last year. It's kind of like the best example I can add is restaurants were shut down last year. This year, it's whatever business you're in, it's like last year was about being shut down or staying open. That's kind of how you, you graded your difficulties. This year, it's like when you're open, there's this underlining difficulty on supplies, being able to get it. Um, I think people kind of have this, uh, you know, where we were almost being uh, drowned underwater and now 
we're all kind of gasping for air and flailing around in the water concept. Uh, so there's just a lot of really weird, just like behaviors out of people right now. And um, people just kind of trying to keep everyone calmed down on uh uh, it's really hard. I think, to I think it seems like everyone's everyone's fuse is real short, and it, I don't know if that's because uh, you know last year at this time, I think the biggest issue was there was so much uncertainty. We didn't know what the heck was going to be going on here. At least now, granted, it's you know we're trying to come out of it, but at least we have some direction as humans, and really, I guess, in business nature and, and the business, uh, you know, going forward into the summer, we we kind of know where we're gonna at least get to now instead of, whoa, what, what's going to happen here the next year? And, and that, I think people, like you said, Zach, are just very, it was just, there was too much uncertainty, I think, in everyone's life. It's like the shock wave is hitting now or something. Uh, <laughs> it's true. And, and here's the, here's the challenge, the customer, or if we're getting through this, con, uh, you know, statements made, well, we should be through it and everything should get back to normal. It's gonna like if we're getting through it, without that debate, let's just say we're getting through it, and then now too, well, it's gonna be a year or two of aftershock. That if I guess the people that can figure that out the best, the quickest are gonna win. Because I hate being the one telling customers, well, you know, with COVID, and they're saying, Ah, oh, I just I, I don't want to hear about that anymore. And we say, I know, but, uh, you know, when you, when people are making pretty good unemployment money, it's hard to attract them to come to work. No, it's just I, uh, the I know reality. Yeah, we should I probably mean, not talk about that much more because it'll get into politics. Politics, but, yeah. Um, yeah, let's, let's try to keep that out <laughs> of um, uh, the conversation because I know it's, it's, it's very binary on that. Um, but um you know, I I think it's just it might be that some people are just unsure about you know what type of you know where they want to put themselves you know um, because the the COVID like Brad said brought up so much uncertainty about you know what you were doing if you had to you know be careful about going out to eat or careful about doing whatever you were doing. Be careful about spending money and who, who you know, what, what are you going to Yeah. And, and now maybe people are just thinking like, well, I should really be careful about what job I choose uh, or, or what it's going to involve. But for me, I would say that if you're going to be in an outside job like yours, um, Boom. Pre- you said it. I mean, I would be like, well, I have about the least amount of chance of contracting a virus if I'm outside with the wind blowing or sitting on a lawnmower or, or weed whacking or whatever I might be. And uh, I think I actually said that years ago when they had the, oh, what was it, swine flu or H1N1 or whatever it was. I was like, well, I'm out here in the wide open. I don't know how I'm going to get it unless the guy in the truck has it, you know? You know, outdoors, uh, outdoors has always been one of the best places for humans to be. And now it's I think if you um, I don't know if you pick the top three greatest things that happened through COVID, um, definitely one of the top three has to be people's interest in the outdoors. I don't know if you guys I'm sure you guys have went to some public hiking locations and you've seen how busy the trails are. Boy, if you're REI or one of those outdoor sales company uh, selling product, you <laughs> you probably don't have anything on the shelves. It's a uh, it's an amazing time to see everyone. So you know, for our industry, we've been really able to lean on you know the concept. It's better outdoors, right? So so we have got a few people from the warehouse industry that saying, look, I'm you know I'm scratching at the walls of this warehouse. I want to get outside and work. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I think bikes and uh, kayaks were like the, the, the highest uh, or, or the, were the biggest uh, items that you couldn't find last summer. I mean, probably in the end of this summer, too. My wife, I bought my wife a uh, kayak uh, for Christmas and um, she can't find a rack to get it on the top of her car. <laughs> They're all sold out until like 
fall time. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's just crazy. It's it's like, oh, I have a kayak now, but how do I how do I transport it? <laughs> so we're just gonna put a blanket up there and some straps. And- yeah. Well, I, I I totally look. I'll be honest. Last year I took up mountain biking. Yeah. No. I yep. yeah. Never did it. Um. But then I was like, you know what? I have um a state park right nearby, Jacobsburg. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful place. Yeah. And I'm like. I could drive to it on a bike and, and hit the trails. And I was just like, well, what better way, you know, just get out here and do some mountain biking. It seems like fun, you know, other than climbing those hills and getting over rocks and roots and things like that. <laughs> but uh, No, nah, uh, Jacobsburg's a great place to get into mountain biking. It's pretty forgiving, you know, it's like a nice. Yeah, it's not nice too terrible place. for I've, you. I've biked there a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that with the outdoor activities. Um um now brad did some research he was just looking at your site a little bit he he saw some interesting blogs um that he wanted to ask you about right Brad? yeah i was just gonna bring that up because uh we can probably kind of wrap this up here shortly but uh yeah zach i I guess everyone's not only in the green industry on the landscaping side but getting into the the greener you know not going with the fossil fuels going forward, you know, cars are making that adjustment and who knows in 20 years, it may be all electric, but you know, you mentioned something on your blog about eco equipment. Mm-hmm. So the, the entire industry we'll we'll say from the landscape side right now. Um, I think the biggest initiative in the snow industry on the eco side is really, um, chlorides and using salts correctly. Um, I'd say at a hierarchy, that's the kind of the number one battle cry right now for the snow industry to start working on, if not start to solve. Um, there's some pretty grim stats if we continue to use salt the way we are um, for our drinking water. So that's that's at the hierarchy of, of landscape or snow. Sorry. Um, we're embarking on liquids. Um, we hope to release liquids this year in our company. Um, which definitely decreases salt usage. But on a landscape side, I think um, if you just if you just went to the traditional everyday, not organic lawn care, that's been around, and I think um, that's getting some traction finally. But w- what's the most innovative right now is probably electric and autonomous. Um, those two words together are basically going to storm the industry. It's starting as we speak it's been around so it'd be like you know a couple years back when we all started having these big phones in our hands and we started uh, let's just say five years ago when everyone pretty much found these things in their hands full time using them all the time we said oh man how did these things take our life over well it was 25 years ago that we all had phones but we just didn't really think of it the way they're actually working for us now. And it's the same thing with robotics in the, the mowing industry, which is, um, you know, there's been small robotics around for 20 years in mowing. Um, and in other countries, Europe, it's been much more popular than here. But it's storming the industry as we speak. The race is on. Um, and uh, we're actually one of three companies right now in the, in the country that are deploying robotics that bolt on to our existing mowers that take over the the operation of our existing mower. Um, So we're working with a really unique company out of California right now. Um, Actually, today in Lehigh Valley, we have mower right now programming routes as we speak. So, um, and that's transforming into electric. So we were running propane. Um, it's being hard, it's becoming harder and harder to run propane as an ecological, um, just because I think most people are putting their resources behind electric right now. So, um, so that's the biggest, and then, you know, there's a ton of other things, um, you know, native plants and decreasing lawn space and decreasing chemical and herbicides. Um, but I think the biggest thing that's kind of storming across the industry right now is autonomous and electric. So I got to, I got to ask you about um, the, the autonomous and robotic type thing. And and you're talking about cutting lawns. 
Are, are you talking about like something remote control that uh, somebody controls, or are you talking about actually both? You know, it's just both. doing its own thing. So it's um, it's it's being programmed by by humans to then the computer takes over your program, right? So we actually physically right now will program it. Say we do the first, you know, so it's going to do what we do, and then it'll repeat. And then it'll start to build its own brain and start to come up with best practices. And this year, because we're in the beta testing, is part with this company, which is we have, um, we'll call it a chauffeur or a, uh, uh, yeah, I guess that would be the best. Um, what's the people that go to dances with the kids to make sure the kids chaperone? Chaperone, right. Why am I kidding? So there's a chaperone for the mower that can stay within that 100-yard distance that if something goes down weird, they can hit it. But it's 360 camera. Um, these mowers are going to be able to – you're going to be able to – so the future of lawn mowing is basically a bunch of robots the size of 48-inch, any size. They get deployed. They're mowing. You have one or two people instead of a big commercial mowing crew. You have one or two people walking around trimming with electric trimmers and electric blowers, why these electric robots are gonna be moving around mowing, they load up, they go to the next property. And basically there'll be a, we'll call it a, you know, a traffic control uh, employees that'll basically have computer screens up and they can see what's going on. They can say, you know, number 32 has a stick in front of it. Can someone get out there and pick it up? Um, so it's gonna be, it's going to be, like I said, it's happening right now in five years. It's, it's, it's going to move really fast from here, I believe. Um, and then it's going to go into other, anything that's, will, when does it get into snow removal? Um, uh, I think it's, it's starting now, but it'll probably be a little slower to move in snow removal, I think. Um, just wow. because it's a different, you know, snow is ever changing. So it's really like grass grows and there's the grass, right? It's not moving around on you. And I think it's, it's going to be a little different, but it'll definitely happen with snow too. The, the machines will be uh, plowing the snow. I mean, it's so. just a technology taking over now. I mean, with these Tesla cars, I mean, driverless cars, people sitting in the back seat while the car, I mean, I, I never even thought I would even see that in my lifetime. It's crazy. And the, and the company in the company I'm working with, I mean, the people they keep adding to their team. I mean, they're, they're, they're some of the brightest, uh, some of the biggest brands that uh, have been working in this segment and other industries are now seeing the green industry as a huge opportunity. So I would say a lot of the, the people that have been in autonomous driving for the last 10 years, say for one of the big you know, auto brands, are now running to this industry going, oh, it's a startup. It sounds exciting. Let me go over to that industry. So because... We have almost zero autonomous, you know, operations. Uh, the closest thing I would say to autonomous, other than mowing, is um, you could you could turn off your irrigation system from your phone, right? But other than that, we really were pretty far behind. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I, I never in a million years would have thought that okay robots are going to be mowing the grass and i don't have to worry about it and i can walk around and trim but that's an interesting development i mean we see that in the weather industry too you know a lot more computer models coming online a lot more computer generated forecasts um but we we do see some problems with that too like um a lot of people have different types of apps a lot of times the apps might give you the wrong start time on snowfall or, or what it may be. Um, so I still think that the meteorologist is is very important to the whole situation too. Um, because look, those computers are going to spit out what they're seeing. They're going to do their best job, but there's not actually a human, you know, looking at that radar, making the ground truth of where that snow's falling, when it's going to get there. Hey, look, Hey, look, you're still always going to have the annoying customer like me that calls. Hey, my, can you, what do you think? You think pre-salt's going to get washed away? Well, I don't, Zach, I don't want to tell you what to do, but you know, you still need that. I'm still that uh, person that you need both. Right. So, um, 
I think ultimately technology is, is it's an accelerator. What can technology take out of the human side? And then what can, I mean, at the end of the day, humans need to continue to work on their people skills because that's where, uh, like, so your softwares are going to continue to to streamline things for you, but you guys are going to have to still be really good at doing a great voice video to your customers, right? So that human side of it's still going to be there. So it's just it's just going to twist us and and make us focus on people more, believe it or not, which is weird. People think it's the opposite, but I, I think it's it, hey, if I can stop, you know, talking to John about tire tear, but I can do go talk to my customer about planting more flowers. I mean, that's really what, you know, the shift that starts to happen. And we won't, if I employ 10 new robots in the next year, I may hire less people, but they're not lined up outside anyway. I will not be letting anyone go. That's the difference. Uh, my staff will just get redirected. So I think if you guys think of it the same way, you guys have been deploying more software, but you're not employing less people than you were four years ago at Weatherworks, I would imagine. So. <laughs> no, no. I'm more worried about that uh, robotic lawnmower I might buy in 10 years that does my backyard and like I can't enjoy my beers. Well, I didn't do anything. You know, there's nothing uh-huh. like, you know, getting done Yeah, with there's going to be no reward feeling. It's, you're going to feel guilty. Your stomach's going to get bigger. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to feel more guilt. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, uh, Zach, before we let you go, um, there's one more uh, thing that we wanted to talk about. And I didn't realize this until I uh, you know, looked you up and, and looked at some of the things you're into. But there's something called Urcher Clothing that you've been getting into lately. What's that all about, by the way? So we um, – I believe it or not, before I got into landscaping, I – wanted to be into apparel, believe it or not. And because I was a big skier, I was kind of into like high tech ski gear and I was a mogul skier. So I was thinking of starting like a, a line that would just be for mogul skiers, blah, blah, blah. Well, I got into a trade push mowing grass, right? So I started my company and, uh, 20 years later, which was about three years ago, I said, no, I'm going to, I'm going to do basically a lifestyle brand, which is Urcher stands for urban nature put together. I have a trademark on the word. So our definition of the word Urcher means urban uh, and nature spaces coexisting in harmony. The As I bring in um, some partners, we start talking about lifestyle brands are very um a common thing, right? You can find a million lifestyle brands out there. But what we started noticing is a very big need for landscape and farmers apparel. So it's, you have Patagonia say, and you have Carhartt, but they're two totally different extremes. So as we start to look at like specific stuff we wanted to make and develop and invent, we said, whoa, that's really big. Let's hold off. That takes a lot of capital. We start to see a big major pain, which is at every one of these companies to keep your employees in a fresh shirt and keep the inventory and make that streamline where they have all their PPE gear and clothing and they all look professional. It's a very hard task to keep up on. So what we're designing is a platform to be able to basically uh, accommodate um, any size company and uh, where employees at their fingertips can get what they need when they need it. So um, for farmers and uh, landscapers, we'll fill in with tree and other industries, but really just working with the landscape industry first, because that's what I know. So that's that. Uh, some other things kind of in the works on top of that, that we're um, talking about, but ultimately it's the supply and we've got a first, a couple of our first customers. And, and, uh, so it's kind of starting it out. Like I did with a push mower. It's, it's not a big grandiose launch right now. It's, it's more of a organic bootstrap hand over hand process right now. So, <laughs> thanks for yeah. asking that. 
No, no, it, it, it seemed really interesting uh, uh, to me. And, uh, you know, hey, maybe you can make some uh, meteorologist clothing. Here's the number one thing. I think employee <laughs> uniforms in this industry, even the snow, all of it, are so underlooked. I mean, we throw snow guys $39 uh, jack, day glow jackets that as soon as they get rained on, they get wet and cold. I just feel like the landscapers uniform is so undervalued when if you're if you're going mountain biking you'll see you're just getting into it but you'll see how quickly you start buying the good gear like you'll be like oh that's a nicer wicking t-shirt or whatever it is and if you're a big hiker or any sports but here we are kind of looked at as industrial athletes in the outdoor work environment and we really don't put people in that grade of clothing and that high performance of an item. It's kind of like cheaper is better. Like if I can get a $9 t-shirt for my guy, then I'm happy because I want to keep my cost low. And we think it's got to be the really the opposite. Yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. I have a, a million uh, t-shirts from my old landscape company that, uh, you know, they're just regular cotton t-shirts or nothing like, you know, the, the cool gear you get from Under Armour or anything like that. Right. Um, there, you know, and then I got my own Carhartt jacket for, you know, when it was cold and I was shoveling or whatever I was doing or plowing, you know, and Carhartt coveralls. But, you know, it seems like you're going much deeper into that, you know, for everything. And I, I appreciate that as a, a former landscaper. Yeah. I, and I, I, I think um, we'll be a voice for the employee and most owners and managers or, you know, whoever's in charge of the financials at a company don't want to hear like, hey, you need to spend six to $800 a year on your employee. And they're going to go, what? Our budget's $250. So, but if they're happy and that's what drives them um, to go to work, I mean, basically you're in the environment all day, whether it's hot, cold, rainy, snowy. And if you're hiking or having fun in that, you spend the money. So why wouldn't we be doing the same thing for the, the, the team and the front line? So 100%. I mean, I have my, I have my bike in the shop right now, getting on new tires and new oh, brakes. Yeah. Um, spend because... away, spend away. right? <laughs> <laughs> because I got to tell you, the ones on there now are shot. The brakes are done. And he, this guy's hooking me up with some really nice gear on it. So. Um, but yeah, same thing, same for you guys. Maybe we'll offer you great jackets one day. No, I mean, you know, you guys are in the elements some days if you're doing live stuff, I would imagine. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like those guys in hurricanes and stuff. Yeah. Um, but, um, you know, other than that, I think we're pretty much wrapped up here. Uh, Zach, I really appreciate you. Hey, I'm going to give the weather guys a plug. So whenever, whenever someone argues, all oh, these weather guys. Oh, they just get the only job you can you can have and get it wrong. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, and what are you going to go by if you don't go by what they say? Are you seriously gonna try to make the prediction? Um, you know what? A lot of times I get, oh, I'll just look out the window. I'll stick my head out the window. That's that's the uh, the comeback that comes uh, a lot of times. But uh, you know, I, I'm with you, Zach. I, I want to. <laughs> <laughs> I like the- I, and the, and the, and the way I'm I'm being your cheerleader on that is because you know as the owner of a company I can get a lot of like oh they got that one wrong or whatever it is and I'm always saying guys like what else do you choose from pick a couple compare how you would like but at the end of the day they're doing a much better job than we would ever do because we just look outside and go oh it's snowing we better get our plows on so you know I. I always give it to you guys, and I know that um, you guys, you have to have some pretty thick skin, I would imagine, to be able to take the criticism you can take at times. Yeah, we we, we do, and I do appreciate that. Um, it goes along with the territory of anything else in life. I mean, if you can't take a little criticism, then, you know, it's just, it's a part of life. And I think that's kind of the issue today i mean i don't want to get political again but you know it's it's the way it is today i think there's a lot i mean when i was on tv doing weather a long time ago and i'll tell you the criticism over was was way more than the hey a great job and things like that same thing even you know 
in any industry. You're going to get yelled at for certain things. Take it, you learn from it, and you move on. Other people just don't take criticism very well, and that's that. I think that's what's happening in our society today. It's just afraid to to, to really you know, learn from anything. I wish uh, I don't know if you could go back 30 years and see how they predicted weather to then compare it to today and see like how many times they got it right and wrong. I'm sure people would go, oh, I should keep my mouth shut. <laughs> Most of the times, but then you have the old timers that are out there and say like, hey, my forecast was better 20 years ago. Right, now, come on now, let's let's be real. Maybe your perception of it, um, you know, but, uh, you know, uh, beyond that topic, you know, I, I think that about wraps it up. And and uh thanks guys yeah thank you for your time uh, i'll have to get you and brad talking because i know you're on tiktok too i saw a few videos oh geez (laughs) well now that i'm a new dad i'm a new and first dad uh it's all just my daughter so i don't (laughs) (laughs) but brad's been talking about getting weatherworks on tiktok and i'm like brad i don't know and then he's like i got that idea when you start getting back to the office i think it'll be a little bit easier so we're gonna have to have a game plan for that but i think it's it's kind of it's it, it it this scary or the fun part about it is it's probably the only one you should be on. That's what's crazy about it. It's like, <laughs> um, everyone has a spot on there and it's not, you know, it's, it's, it's an incredible platform. It is. No, it, it is. It, Thank you a lot for being on the, on the show here today. And I really appreciate you, uh, yep, thanks. Yeah, coming out. So that's about it for the weather lounge. Everybody remember we'll have a new episode every two weeks. So please come And check us out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, uh, Stitcher, basically wherever you can find your podcast, The Weather Lounge is on there. And also, don't be afraid to uh, shoot us an email, weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com. If you have any ideas for the show or any comments, you you can certainly drop us a line there. And as always, visit us on social media. We are WeatherWorks, and we're on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, not TikTok yet, but very soon, I think, if Brad gets uh, a plan together for us. And, uh, and that's about it for our show for this week. So thanks, everybody, for joining us.